Welcome to the Clay Young Show. Gotta love that music, right? Welcome back to the Clay Young Show here on Podcast 225.com and on iTunes. Thank you all for hitting that subscribe button. Hopefully, you're sharing the word with family and friends and telling them they should start their Thursday the best way, the Clay Way podcast 225.com. Man, as you listen to this now, we're getting set for a presidential debate on Thursday night between the top 10 candidates on the Republican side. And it is going to be entertaining. I just think it's going to be uh, <laughs> it's going to be funny, mostly because of Donald Trump. If Trump wasn't in this debate, I just I wouldn't watch that. The election's next year. But you just don't know what the man is going to say. Hell, I don't know that he knows what he's going to say. So that's going to make for a very <laughs> entertaining evening. Can't wait to watch that. Uh, also, as we talk right now, we're winding down the end of the out of school season. So lots is, you know, lots is happening. Uh, a lot is happening for people across the country, especially here in Louisiana. Uh, summer vacations are wrapping up and hopefully you guys have enjoyed that summer vacation period. Quite frankly, it's always great to get back to normal and the back end of the year is always fun because I think you get to push yourself a little harder to get a little more out of yourself at the end of the year in hopes of starting the next year with some momentum. And that's something we'll talk a little bit about uh, as the weeks go by. What else is happening? Uh, You know, I don't know what's going on across the country with our inability to deal with people who have mental illness. And we talked about this on last week's show. The percentage of people who walk the streets of this country who are both diagnosed and undiagnosed, you know, mentally ill people. And there doesn't, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot happening to keep them from getting to a place where they're pulling a gun on innocent people in public. And not every person who is mentally ill is violent, but as I'm sure many of you who move around whatever city you're in, drive on these streets you see people that you kind of look at sideways and wonder eh, something doesn't seem right right there and the question has to be asked why why are you on the streets why are you out here roaming around and i had a conversation about that with someone earlier today just like you know it's it's just it's confusing and it's frustrating and then when People with mental illness end up with guns and shoot people. The discussion is only about the gun and not about the person who pulled the trigger. And I think we better have some serious conversations about what's leading people to get that way and what we can do about it. Because it's not getting any better. It seems like every week there is some kind of a shooting involving someone with mental issues who got their hands on a gun and bad things happened. And I know so many people say, well, let's get the guns off the streets. It's never going to happen. Quite frankly, I don't know that it should happen. But we got to do something about the people who need help and who lack the capacity to even ask for it. That's all I'm saying. So there is that. All right. Transitioning from that to 
something more uh, entertaining and, I guess, less important. Sports, football. Yo, this whole thing with Tom Brady and the football deflating situation that happened last year. I got to be honest with you, and I know many, many of you are going to disagree with me on this. I don't care. I really don't. I'm not surprised. The Patriots have had that reputation for a while. But to see that this has gotten so much attention in the media has been like, wow, really? Is this, is this all we have to talk about? Got to be more than this going on in the world, right? I mean, months and months and months. And yet there's going to be more of it because the NFL season's about to start in about a month. And it looks like Tom Brady is going to miss a month. So you know they're going to be talking a lot about that in the buildup. So I just I won't even watch any of the pre-talk. I may watch a pre-game, a, a preseason game or two, and then I probably will start watching football seriously on the pro level at least at the kickoff of the first Thursday night game. And I got to be honest with you, I don't even know who the Patriots play. I'm not just stop paying attention. Too much other stuff going on. But it's just you know, come on, man. Uh, what else is happening? Ronda Rousey last weekend. One in 34 seconds. The baddest woman on the planet. As a rule of thumb, it's probably not a very good idea to talk trash to rowdy Ronda Rousey. I had to say that slowly because I figured I'd screw it up if I tried to say it fast. She's one to watch. That was not the best investment of the 40 bucks, 40 plus bucks. But man, she's like, she conjures up images of Mike Tyson. It's like, you don't know if the fight's going to go a minute or 30 seconds. It all depends on what mood she's in. And for those of you who don't like MMA, I get it. You think it's barbaric. You know, I, it took me a while to get used to women's MMA. But now that, I've, that she's come along, she's fascinating. Because she just looks like she can do anything she wants to out there. And so this next fight is going to be something else. I know there was talk about Floyd Mayweather having another fight. Ah, not interested. I mean, I watched the last one and was and and I was kind of entertaining entertained. I know a lot of people wanted it to be a slugfest. Mayweather doesn't do that. He's a defensive fighter. Holds his shoulder high and just tries not to get knocked out. I mean, he'll sit on the clock. That may be why he's undefeated, but hey, he's undefeated. Nobody's hit him yet. I saw Sugar Shane Mosley get one shot on him, but outside of that, it's like, eh, you know, nothing to it. Uh, I mentioned in the open the presidential debate that we, we may have something after the, after the debate. I'm thinking about it. George Sells and I talked about it. So it could be on the Friday after this show drops that you could find another show in the uh, old podcast selection where we do a recap of the presidential debate. Especially if there's like really some exciting things happening, like if, uh, you know, Chris Christie walks across the stage and takes a swing at Donald Trump. Which I would love to see that, by the way, but I'm just kidding. Just kidding. We don't want presidential candidates swinging at one another. Chances are that probably, I don't know who that would go worse for, to be honest, between those two, but we don't need to see that. All right, on to some serious stuff. Our guest for this week is John Fabry, one of the owners of Infinity of Baton Rouge, Acura of Baton Rouge, Subaru of Baton Rouge, and Infinity of Lafayette. And if you think that the interview is going to be just him trying to sell cars, you are sorely mistaken. Not going to do a 30-minute infomercial. 
But what we will do is talk about how this guy and his brother went from selling cars at a dealership to being in an ownership group to ultimately owning their own dealerships. The story is mostly about not giving up, believing in yourself, and making more good decisions than bad decisions. Many of you may be thinking about getting more out of your life than you're getting out of yourself right now, and I'm telling you, you're going to enjoy this conversation with John Fabry. It is next. Have you ever wanted to host your own podcast? Coming soon, Play Young Enterprises and Podcast 225 will be giving you your big chance. You'll be able to use professional broadcast equipment to create a podcast that you can be proud of. You'll have an engineer and a professional show open and close. The Clay Young Show is already considered one of the best podcasts in the state. Get the same audio quality and professional packaging for your very own podcast. Stay tuned for more details. Your chance to have your own show is coming soon. This is the Clay Young Show on podcast225.com. All right, welcome back. You know, you hear, uh, if you're in the Baton Rouge area and you listen to radio, you hear me and this guy a few times a month on stations all over talking about infinity of Baton Rouge and infinity of Lafayette. Uh, I've had the pleasure of endorsing for John and his brother David for a few years here, and uh, we've become friends over the years, and I've learned uh, just how much of a ball breaker he is by getting to know him pretty good there. <laughs> I'm a nice so, guy. Yeah, okay, whatever. And uh, and he has been one of the hardest working people that I know. He loves this country, and they've built something special. There are three dealerships in Baton Rouge, one in Lafayette, and the one in Lafayette is run by his son, who's an incredible young man who's going to make a lot of money and make a lot of people happy for a lot of years to come. John Fabry. So first of all, uh, how did you get into selling cars? Oh, man, uh, really just fell into it. I didn't wake up one day and say, hey, man, I'm gonna go sell cars. Yeah. It was, uh, we had a uh, family friend who was actually in the business uh, named John Prevost. He, uh, he his actually his first dad, first job, John Prevost's first job was working with my dad who worked at a machine shop. Uh-huh. Anyway, so they became friends. John Prevost got in the car business. He had Volvo and Volkswagen here in Baton Rouge. Uh, it goes way back, but uh, my first job was actually helping him. He His first Volvo store he opened on Stanford Avenue, where the Crescent is now. Yeah, yeah. They used to have a, a bar there called, a, uh, I think it was called a Speakeasy. Before that, it was a grocery store. <laughs> yes. Anyway, he turned that into a, a car dealership, and I helped him demolition the place, essentially. Right. But uh, anyway, I was 22, uh, kind of floundering. Uh, didn't finish college, but, you know, I was a good worker anyway. Mm-hmm. Anyway, mm-hmm. He, he knew me and, and recruited me, yeah. essentially. That's, the, that's kind of a long answer to that question. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, he recruited me, and I started selling cars uh, in 1977. Yeah. On College Drive where the uh what is it right now? Chili's, you know, at Chili's, Chili's restaurant yeah, corner of college right. and in and, and, and I ten. Yeah. That was our used car lot. And uh, that's where I started selling. And so when you got into it, you apparently obviously were successful at it. What made you successful as a salesman? 
Well, I had, uh, fortunately, I had a real good sales manager. I worked, you know, it was a small operation. Um, Jess Henderson was my sales manager. Um, and there was probably two other salespeople there when I started, maybe three. Anyway, so I had a, I had a good group. We didn't, you know, I got in the car business very open-minded. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any preconceived notions about it. I'd heard, you know, you hear the stories, all that's not a reputable profession and this kind of thing. I said, you know, I didn't, I didn't care about, it. I didn't worry about that. I said, I'm going to give it a try and right. see how it goes. So, um, you know, I remember selling cars and people going, man, y'all are different here than everywhere else. I'm like, right. I don't, I don't understand what that means. What do you mean? I mean, just, just to me, it's just common sense the way yeah. we do things. And anyway, so it's, it's worked out. We've always tried to do things for the long term uh-huh. and uh you know one thing led to another i went from sales to sales manager and worked all through the store and yeah uh, took a long road but eventually uh got a chance to buy into the business and and uh, here we are so you bought into the business and but going back being a sales manager the difference between being on the floor greeting clients and then being kind of the decision maker or at least the last sign off on the deal. Yep. Talk about that. Cause you know, that's always been something people have talked about. I don't like that. I want to talk to the sales guy. If, if the sales manager is going to be involved, well, have him come out here and talk to me. You know, it, um, when they, I guess, promoted me to sales manager, yeah. I mean, I didn't have any training whatsoever other than watching the one sales manager that we had at the time when I started, we only had Volvo. Okay. Uh, and Volkswagen, and and the the owner at the time said, "Look, we got to really get this Volkswagen part, you know, part of the business going." And uh, you know, so they took me, who I was a you know one of their better salespeople, obviously, and and gave me that job. And it was like, okay, go get it, you know, go uh, go sell some cars. No you know, real go, direction. No, I mean, in in retrospect, yeah. I had nothing, uh, you know, other than just some advice from the previous sales manager, but, uh, that was it, you know, so you just get in there and make it happen. So it, uh, you know, it worked out over time, obviously. And, and, uh, it's a long story. I mean, I don't know how much time we have. You on got this podcast, time. It's a podcast, man. But, uh, you know, we moved from, I was on college drive and then Prevost bought the Dodge franchise. Yeah. We moved over on airline highway where Dodge city is now. Yeah. So we had Volvo, Volkswagen, Dodge, um, you know, I can, let me back up a little bit. One of the salespeople that I started with was a guy named Ralph Sellers. Yeah. Who yeah. now owns That's right. a store in Gonzales. And my other, other salesperson that came six months after me was a good friend of mine, Bob Grace. He's got the Volkswagen dealership wow. in town. Um, Jess Henderson eventually was in the car business and he has since retired from that and going into real estate yeah uh we had a lot of people that that worked for our little organization that have been very successful so to what do you attribute that all of y'all working there and then going on to own your own dealers well this guy prevost his 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 gift was he was a good judge of character he knew how to hire people and uh you know once one of us got hired you know the the other people like bob bob was a friend of mine uh, you know, I recruited him, um, you know, just kind of one thing led to another. And, uh, it's, it's, you know, we, we talk about that every now and then how it, how that sort of worked out, but it, 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 uh, there's a lot of work, 
Yeah, don't don't think. I mean, I started in October of '77. Um, I actually got to buy some stock in the business in. And I'm leaving out Acura right now. How yeah. we ended up in the Acura business, yeah. but uh, we bought stock in that store in 1990. Yeah, uh, we had a couple of partners. My brother and I did at that point. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Were you and David there at the same dealership no, together? David started about six years after I did. Okay, in sales, and okay. then uh, you know, kind of had the same path I did. Worked, sure, worked in different parts of the of the store. Uh, back. In let's see, let me think when this was back in '89. Uh, there was two guys that opened the Acura store on Florida Boulevard. Yeah, named J.P. Thibodeau. He's from New Iberia. Mm-hmm. Was from New Iberia. His his son's still there. He's since passed away. And Geronimo Estebi, who is from Cuba originally. But those two guys started the accurate business in Baton Rouge in right. 1987. Okay. They weren't very successful with it. It's, it's hard when a brand-new startup franchise starts. Right. It, it, so they both lived out of town, went through a bunch of managers. Uh, at the time, at Prevost, we had myself, we had my brother David, we had Bob Grace. Mm-hmm. And we were at the point where we wanted to grow, and there was no place to go. So we went to Prevost mm-hmm. said, hey, why don't you go buy this Acura store? We hear they're not doing very well. And they weren't. They were trying to sell it. So Prevost, who we worked for, bought 50% of the stock in the Acura dealership. This was in uh, May of ni- – no, excuse me. We, we, we moved over there in March of 89. Yeah. Okay. He bought 50% of the stock with managing control. He sent me and David over there to run it. They had never made money before. And he had an option to buy the other 50% a year later. Well, the good news was David and I got over there, worked our tails off, turned it around from a loser to a profitable dealership. And one year later, almost to the day that Prevost was supposed to exercise his option. He had some financial trouble at the Volvo dealership, mm-hmm. and he could not perform. He could not buy out, you know, he the got, other half. He, the other half. Yeah. He got. He had to sell out. So David and I and went to the partners that Prevost was buying out, who was J.P. Thibodeau and Geronimo, mm-hmm. and said, "Hey, look, um, you don't know us well, but." You know, we've been running the store for a year now. We've made it profitable. We know you want out. Uh, we'd like to buy in. We'd like to buy Prevost's, you know, portion. We'd like to buy the store. Did you guys have the capital? Did you put the capital no, together indeed. by way loan? I mean, I could not. Went I to the rub, bank. I could, yeah, I couldn't rub two nickels together. <laughs> no, so I went to I went to called up JP but I said, Hey, look, um, you know, we, he he knew that Prevost was in trouble. I said, Look, we'd like to buy in. We want to stay in. Uh, he goes, well, maybe we can work something out. You know, uh, I said, look, we want to buy him, but we don't have any money. What can we do? So he was, that's where our break came in. He let us buy stock and pay it through the profits of the store. But he only gave us the option to buy 40% of the stock. Mm. But we had to pay, again, through the profits of the dealership. So first year, we made money. 
Okay, we so we've said we're done, right? So we, I, I mean, I scraped up maybe thirty thousand dollars from friends and family mm-hmm. and gave them that to buy a little bit of stock, you mm-hmm. know. And then uh, David did the same. So one year later, I don't remember how much money we made, but the company made whatever. And our portion of that, we said, okay, well, look, we want to use our portion to buy more stock. He goes, no, 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 you don't understand. The store, you bought into the corporation. The corporation is in the hole from, this is before we bought in. Yeah. The corporation had lost a million and a half dollars. So you bought that debt too. I bought that debt. Yeah. So before we could buy any more stock, right. we had to pay that pay debt Pay down off. the debt, yeah. Not pay it down, pay it off. Pay, well, that's what I mean, yeah. get rid of it, yeah. So... So that was a, a life lesson. Yeah. You know? Uh, you know, we were happy to have the option. So we right, get back to work, you know. So point is, we had to make up all the negative losses right. before we could buy any more stock. Right. There had to be positive yeah, cash fast flow. Fast forward, you know, we, we finally bought our 40% stock, mm-hmm. but it, that was, we were capped. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2002, J.P. Thibodeau was diagnosed with cancer. His partner and who lives in and uh, excuse me Puerto Rico, who owned you know they owned own majority of the stock, uh, they wanted out. So when once J.P. Thibodeau was diagnosed, he came to us and said, "Okay, guys, we're going to sell you all the balance of the stock, but you have to buy the real estate also." Mm-hmm. Now we were on Florida Boulevard, right. which was a horrible yep. part of town. We didn't want the real estate, but it is what it is. You know, you got you got to do it. So we said, "Okay." And um, he, he, we had a, so, you know, he gave us a formula. We started working on it. Well, J.P. Thibodeau had pancreatic cancer. Mm-hmm. That he didn't Doesn't last take very long. long to, yeah. So we met with the, after that went down, we met with the other partner, and the other partner said, okay, I'm going to live up to that agreement that y'all made. Now, we had nothing in writing either. Mm-hmm. He says, look, we're going we're gonna to live up to your our end of the bargain, but... Uh, you got thirty days to come up to money with the other for the other sixty percent with the other sixty percent plus the real estate plus the real estate yeah it's no easy task man. so did you get yourself into a deal huh? well man. but you know again it worked uh, out yeah yeah it it worked out so we that was but a, go ahead we, pick it up we're well no we had, we had to meet this meeting in Miami and and that's where he has another store in there and you know hey guys. We're going to honor our commitment, but uh, we're going to give you 30 days to come up the money. It's like, holy moly. Well, <laughs> it's not just the 60%. It's floor plan interest. It's the real estate. It's a lot of, it's a lot of stuff. So <clears throat> anyway, the, the, the thing that we had going for us is we had a track record. And when I went to the bank, I mean, I was calling people from Miami saying, hey, you know, setting up appointments. And uh, anyway, long story short, Capital Bank came through and um, put the deal together. And immediately, we knew that Florida Boulevard was a dead-end mm-hmm. location. So, For the kind of car that you're trying to sell for yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, I go, mean, go drive down Florida sure. Boulevard right yeah. now. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's horrible. I'd love to see it make a comeback, but it was not good. So uh, we put the building up for sale. Uh, and got really lucky and sold it. Yeah. And sold it to a guy who allowed us to bought the we bought property on airline where we are now. I uh made a deal with this guy to buy the building 
and lease it back from him. I said, look, here's the deal. You can buy, I'll sell it to you at a really good price yeah. and lease it back from you for a year while we, or at least a year, a year and a half while yeah. we build a new building. And, uh, remember a guy named T. Joe Calloway? Yeah. T. Joe Calloway is the one that bought that building from us. What, what are they doing out there now? Uh, he's leasing it out. He's, he's you know, he's, uh, he got it rented. You know I mean? He's never, T. Joe is a, he was a notorious old guy. He's yeah. a great guy. He yeah. came walking in the building one day, looked around, took about less than 30 minutes, said, here, you want to sell this place? I said, yeah. He goes, I'll give you X for it. And I was like, holy moly. <laughs> I tried to raise him. He goes, no way. I said, okay. So we worked out a deal. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's how we moved to Airline Highway. So you move over there with Acura. Right. Then Infinity comes along. How'd no, that no, 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 no. I, I skipped a step. Okay, we, okay. I skipped a step right. because when we got involved with the Acura store, that was in 1990. Mm-hmm. In 92, about around, around 91, we only had Acura. Mm-hmm. We were looking for other opportunities as well. I was reading automotive news one day and saw Infinity, and I said, man, that's that looks like a deal. So I called them up. I said, have you all ever thought about coming to Baton Rouge? I said, Matter of fact, we're starting to interview dealers in the area. I said, well, I'd love to be on the list. So that's what they do. They come just, just like a job interview. They start interviewing potential dealers. And because we had a good track record with Acura, they awarded us the franchise. So Infinity and then Acura are here. A few things in, in the story. So That was in 1992. In 92. So is when we actually had the franchise in 92, yeah. So 23 years later... Uh, I know that you are one of the 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 favorite children, as it were, of Infinity because of the success that y'all have here. Because you got two stores now. You got this one and the one in Lafayette. Lafayette. Let's Correct. go back a little bit. You know, there are people who listen uh, to this podcast. I hear from people. I had a guy in here who actually ghost writes for businesses. And people talk about opportunities. I, I was just having this conversation with somebody. I want to hear what you think about this. People talk about America, this, America. I love the country. I said the greatest thing about America is her potential. Absolutely. Because if you are willing to work, you can do unbelievable things. So when you look back nearly, well, you know, over 30 years, if you count when you started to where you are now. And I know that you're you're not looking and hanging it up anytime soon, even though you talk like that. I just can't see you with your feet up on the back porch. But when you look at all of the whole journey, what's the one thing that you would say is the motivation or the engine that drove you and David getting to where you are? Well, um, number one, I don't like to talk about ourselves, but we always had a good work ethic, you know, in <clears throat> two things, that and live within our means. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we lived on nothing for a long time, nothing. The only thing, only reason we got where we are is because we didn't have any equity. We didn't, you know, our parents were rich. They just didn't have any money. Mm-hmm. So, Everything we made, we dumped back into the business, you know, to buy stock and all that. But I guess the motivation is, uh, you know, just you wanted to succeed, to succeed. You know, we wanted to be, we wanted to get to where I wanted to get out of debt, you know. Right. And, uh, you know, I enjoy the business. I enjoy uh, growing the business, hiring more people, seeing them succeed. Why do you enjoy it? Why? Because it's, it's very fulfilling. You know, it's very... Uh, what makes it fulfilling? 
Well, you accomplish something. I mean, you're accomplishing things. You're seeing, you're seeing the business grow. You see, again, employing more people. That's the greatest thing about growth to me is, is you're hiring more people. You're, they're employed. Their lives are getting better. Um, you know, you're putting more tax revenue into the city. Yeah, there's that. So it's a feeling of accomplishment. You know, that's uh, in, in the state and all that. So, it, and, you know, you don't, I tell people all the time, it's not, you know, it, you got to be good at what you do. The money will come. You know, you don't, I never got into business. You know, it sounds cliche, but I didn't get in for the money. Mm-hmm. Obviously, money is, you got to have. But if you do a good job of what you do, you know, if you're good, if you're the best at whatever you do, you know, you're going to, the money will be there. Yeah. And, or you're really good at what you do. There's always demand. You know, the, yeah, you hear the story. There's always room at the top. Yeah. And, you know, if you're the best in your field, no matter what the field is, they seem like the money will will come. You know, it's interesting because I take like really serious pride. Like I know I'm competitive and I get it. And and I'm from a small town. That's got a lot to do with it. And and in small towns, you have to compete for every friggin' thing. Yeah. Everything. In our business, I mean, it's very competitive. Well, and, and, and it's, it's very transparent. Well, listen, it's, I end up in marketing and media doing radio and television. And you know it's, it's true competition because if you don't win, you don't eat. And, yeah. if you, and if you don't win, you don't get opportunities. Listen, and it makes you really want to from work. Day, from October of 1977 to yeah. right now, I have never had a guaranteed income. <laughs> Sir. Okay. Listen, when that's I the way it cars, works, man. Look, when I – and people don't – a lot of people don't believe this, yeah. but we start when I started selling cars, we got paid once a month. Yeah. No draws, yeah. no nothing. You got paid once a month and you you don't sell, you don't get a check. I mean, it wasn't even minimum wage. Yeah. I mean, I, I never had to fortunately that didn't ever happen. Yeah. But um and a lot of people are scared of commission. I, I wouldn't work on anything but commission. Mm-hmm. I mean everybody says, Well, yeah, you own the store now. Well that hey look. They could, but you, anything could happen you didn't tomorrow. start no owning the store. Well, heck no. <laughs> you had to work. You know, you can't look at the. I have a. Do you know Lane Grigsby? Not well. Well, but. Lane and I had this conversation about being in business and getting to that place to where you have a year's worth of capital in your business. So if you don't make a dollar, you have a year's worth. Nobody plans on spending a year not making money. But competitive people are always trying to. You know, manage your money, push up, like you said, put it back yeah. into the business. I think a business has to be treated like a child. If the business doesn't eat, if the business business isn't growing, you're going to have major problems. Yeah, absolutely. You, you, you know, you uh, as they say, you either grow or go. You know, and so yeah, it's it's you've always you know, and our you know philosophy is trying to not just be make have satisfied customers we want loyal customers and the yeah. only way you're going to be they're going to be loyal is right. if you're consistent and you know exceed their expectations you know i'm loyal to there's certain restaurants i go to yeah, because I'm they're the same consistent way. and yeah. i know what i'm gonna get every time i go yeah. and uh you know i know what i'm gonna the product's gonna be consistent right the service is gonna be consistent those kind of things and that's why i'm loyal and then hopefully then that's what our that's what we try to do you know, I've watched you with Jordan over in Lafayette, and uh, we were, we uh, we did some video for you guys for your website for all the websites. And I watched you and him together talking, and how you can tell he knows you have the answers, and he doesn't mind asking. But hmm. most 
or he was asking that day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah it wasn't always that way. <laughs> but, you know, I could see the pride that you have in seeing your well, kid yeah, do what it's, he's doing. Talk about that. Well, it is, uh, again, it's gratifying to uh, and I didn't. I certainly didn't encourage him to get in the business. Sure. He's always wanted to, mm-hmm. but uh, it's it's uh, amazing what they have picked up over the years that you didn't mm-hmm. really. I don't know. I, I don't remember. They're telling always him, watching. I don't remember telling him certain yeah. things, but he's picked up on it. He's yeah. learned, and you know, he's had he's worked there since I don't know elementary school in some capacity or another. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he's since, once he went through college, and he, he also had a, uh, got his MBA. Yeah. Then uh, most recently he's been to NADA, Dealer Candidate School, mm-hmm. which is really, I wish I would have had. Yeah. You know, which, you know, so he's, at his age right now, he's 29. He's so far ahead of where I was at that age. That's what you want, in, though, for your kids, though. Yeah, yeah, for certain. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's 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 uh, it's very gratifying and, and uh, to see him grow, yeah, you know, mature, yeah, that kind of thing. You know, the fascinating thing about the way you guys have done it is that you you've had to earn it uh, along the way. You talked about some of the lessons you learned that you can appreciate because you learned them the hard way. What advice right. would you give people, man, who are listening to this, who may be thinking? that I can get more out of my life than I'm doing, but I'm kind of afraid to step out of the boat. What would you say? Well, um, you know, there were times, you know, there were times in our journey for sure that it looked, I mean, I didn't see, you know, as they say, the light at the end of the tunnel, mm-hmm. it looked like, man, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to pull this off right. or get to where I want to be. Right. You know? But you just put your head down and keep digging, you know, and, and well, where'd time that come flies. From? Where'd that come from? The attitude that no matter how it feels, I'm just going to keep going. Well, you just can't be a quitter. Yeah. I mean, quitter's the worst thing you can do. You yeah. never lose yeah. unless you quit. Yeah. You know? um, any regrets quickly here? You know, when you look back on all over the years? Oh, I mean, the only regret, I wish I'd have matured quicker. I wish I'd have learned things quicker than I did, you know. Uh, oh, we can all say that. You know, that. back when, heck, in my 20s, you know, all I cared about was I mean, I was always a good, I always thought I had a good work ethic, but, you know, if I'd have done a little more planning early on, I could have maybe achieved a lot of things, things faster. quicker, maybe, yeah. but, you know, who knows? But, uh, you know, man, I think the same way. I think some, there's so much about life you don't know. And when you're in it and you're trying to do the right thing, like you said, you've already said, you guys put everything back into the company. You know, you lived within your means or below your means shoot. to make the money last. But it, it, when you have them, when you have money, it makes you appreciate it more because you know how hard it is to get it. No, it's absolutely not. You know, again, uh, you know, I've never had a safety net under me. <laughs> no. Um, you know, if I, if I, I you know, if I, I crashed, I crashed, you know, that, so. man, that, that fear is the thing that really kept me from making too many dumb decisions because there was like no place to run and hide. That's right. You know, it's like if you bought if you bought this screw up, you had to own it. Absolutely. You know, you, know, you have to be accountable. Yeah. It's nobody else's fault but your own. And you long if you take that attitude, then. You know, you're going to make it happen. You're going to make it work. Uh, you know, not to shill for what y'all are doing over there. Like I said, I've known you for a long time. I, I endorse and, and help you with it. I know I know you take the customer service part of this personally. You want people to be happy with what they get from the dealerships between here and Lafayette. 
Uh, just talk a little bit about that, because it, a lot of dealers, you're not the only dealer who feels that way, but just no, talk about why you not. feel that way. Well, that's the way I was raised, number mm-hmm. one. I mean, it just, it's got to be a win-win situation. Yeah. I mean, we're certainly not there for practice. Sure. I mean, we're there to, to be run a profitable store, and you cannot grow your business unless you are. But, uh, you know, you have to do – it's always been my philosophy to try to do things for the long term. You yeah. know, think in that – have that uh, template, if you will, when mm-hmm. you make a decision. You know, that's what I try to tell my son down there. Look, if you have to make a decision, think about the long term. You know, what is it – is it – does it foster uh, – customer loyalty you know if you have that template in your mind every time you do something do it that way i mean there's times where we could have done some things to make temporarily you know quicker dollar here mm-hmm. or there but if you do things the right way you know in our opinion the the right way for long term it pays off you know it, you got to be patient you know? yeah patience uh, is a word i hated in my 20s i but know boy, I, hate- I value it now yeah we yeah, when you when you're twenty, the <laughs> only thing I cared about is what, what what can I do for fun <laughs> That's next? Exactly right. What's the next thing we can do? So, what's the next ten years look like? Final question: What's the next ten years look like for the Fabry Group? Well, um, you know, of course, you know, mentoring Jordan. He's he's doing great out there in, in Lafayette. Um, David, my brother's got a daughter who's Farron, yeah. interested. She's he's, tough. She's started in the business. Yeah. Um, so it's it's uh you know planning. I mean I'm shoot I turned sixty, yeah. which is hard to believe. So, but you work out every day, so yeah. I mean I look I've got a lot of life left in me. <laughs> That's at right. least right now anyway. <laughs> at least Doctor Chastain told me that. That's right. Oh, so you go over there too? Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tell him to bring the shoe shine guy back. All right. <laughs> anyway, so uh, you know we'll see. I mean we're always trying to improve i mean our business changes a lot it's uh like i said there's no shortage of competition in our world so it's a challenge always trying to get the right you know help get the team to gel get the team to be more efficient um you want more dealerships if the right ones come around yeah sure i mean we're not out there beating the bushes every day looking for stuff but you know i'm not interested in going out of state if things come about here that's a good fit for us like subaru yeah was. i was gonna ask you when did y'all decide to get into get into subaru oh uh, so we moved in we, we built a subaru store we finished it in 2013 but we had talked to them for a couple of years mm-hmm. before you know subaru had been vacant in uh absent in baton rouge for at least, yeah. at least five years and yeah. it's a great great product yeah the culture of that company really fits with our culture mm-hmm. um and it was just it's just a perfect fit so, you know, it, if, if something like that were to come up, sure, you know. Um, but, I mean, it, you know, it's like, you know, like I tell people, it's sort of like the restaurant business. You know, you got the fast food places and mm-hmm. you've got Geno's mm-hmm. uh, type of restaurant. Yeah. I mean, we look at ourselves as sort of like a Geno's. Right. Know? And, and uh, if we're not just going to expand to expand, if it makes it's gotta sense. It's got to be the right move. Yeah. And if, and if we can handle it. Absolutely. Well, man, you know, I always enjoy our talks and the time we spend laughing and joking about things. I'm pretty proud of what y'all are doing. And like I said, to watch you and Jordan together, that's that's pretty good. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, I really do. Uh, And, uh, 
yeah, I've enjoyed working with you as well. Well, looking forward to uh, more of that to come. John Fabry, a great story. And hopefully you guys got a lot from that. Back to wrap up the show in just a moment. Promote your business or organization on podcast225.com. Podcast225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for Louisiana listeners. Every month, thousands hear the weekly Clay Young Show. Every week, Clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people. Posting your company's logo on the podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on the Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Welcome back to the Clay Young Show. Pretty good stuff, isn't it? You think about it. Some guys who just kind of had all these things happening for them in in the way of opportunity, but they pushed so many of their opportunities. And I think that's the really big lesson in that, that opportunities don't always come, but when you see the potential for one, you just have to be ready and you have to really put yourself, invest yourself into whatever you're doing. And then sometimes just step out on faith. Just believe in yourself enough to at least try and I was, when I was a kid, my mother used to always tell me, nothing beats a failure but a try. And that is so true. It's like you'd rather try something and learn that, wow, it didn't work out, as opposed to having a regret. Now, you don't want to be reckless now. You want to make smart decisions and smart investments. And even stepping out on faith, you, you kind of want to know that there's a the potential that you can win at it, as opposed to just saying, you know, I'm going to open a medical clinic. And you don't even like the sight of blood, you know, so... I just I, I enjoy the story. There are parts of that that I'd heard before and some parts that I heard for the first time here sitting and talking with John. He's a good guy. Both he and David are very good people. And man, they work hard and they've built something special and it is to be admired and appreciated. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that conversation as well. Next week, Lieutenant Governor Jay Darden makes his return to the show to talk about his candidacy for governor. He'll also talk more about the direction of Louisiana. He's going to talk about Bobby Jindal, going to talk about the movie industry here, jobs, education, whether he would or wouldn't support John White's return as school superintendent in Louisiana. A lot of great conversation uh, with Lieutenant Governor Jay Darden. You'll get it all on next week's show. That's it for this week. Hopefully you guys have enjoyed it. Have a fantastic Fantastic rest of your day. And if you're on the weekend, enjoy it. Try to stay cool. And we'll see you next time here on The Clay Young Show on podcast225.com. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.